very thankful, as Mike said earlier, for uh, the support that we get from this congregation. Um, And I'm thankful that God has blessed us uh, to be able to work together uh, here at this place, in this town. Uh, It is a blessing to us. And I'm thankful uh, for each day that we have uh, to, to minister together to the people here in Winchester. Uh, it's, it's a very special morning for me. Uh, some of you have already met some of my family who's up here. Uh, my mom and my little niece, Jordan, uh, and my granddad, uh, Billy is his name. Uh, my papa, it's been several years since we have had a chance uh, to worship together. And so today is a very, very special day for me. Uh, he's a man who will never know how much of an impact he's made on my life. And uh, it's an honor for me uh, to have him in our midst this morning uh, to, to worship with us uh, and hear a message from God's Word. It means a lot. Uh, so I'm pretty pumped about the next couple of weeks. I am. Uh, I know y'all have seen me dress up a time or two. Uh, it might be kind of weird, but I do enjoy getting in costume. And, and dressing up. And next Sunday night is our trunk or treat. And uh, we'll have a lot of community members here. And we'll have food. And we'll have a chance to get candy. Uh, through the years, I've dressed up as many different things. And to spare your eyes, I have not provided pictures this morning. Uh, but I've dressed up over the past couple of years as the Tooth Fairy. Uh, I've dressed up as a cheerleader in my past. Don't get too concerned, okay? It's just a joke. It's just for fun. Uh, I dressed up last year as Bing Bong. And uh, one of my favorites, which may be a little concerning, uh, several years ago when I was still at Freed Hardeman, I dressed up as a man who I've been told I look like, Richard Simmons. Okay? Some, some, of, you, some of you know who he is. And uh, it's unfortunate, really, that you know who he is, because I don't really want you to know that I dressed up like that, but I did, and I love Halloween, and I love, uh, through the years as I think back, uh, I've had many amazing opportunities for fellowship during Halloween, and uh, that's what we're going to have here next Sunday night. We're going to have a chance uh, to have some food and be all up in here together as a family in lots of strange costumes. Uh, but I'm also very excited about tonight. Tonight is going to be a special service. Uh, the first one since I've been here, uh, what we're calling a unity service. Uh, we have confirmed around 15 congregations in this county uh, that will be worshiping with us here in this building tonight. Uh, that alone is going to make it a very special thing. You may not have known even that we have 19 congregations in this county. And uh, although it's not the largest county, uh, we're pretty spread out around the county. And so this is going to be a very special time for us to be together, uh, to worship uh, together as the churches of Christ in the county of Franklin County. And so in the spirit of Halloween this morning, we're going to go back to the Valley of Dry Bones. So get your Bibles out and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to have most of the scriptures up here on the screen uh, for those of you who want to follow along, and I'll be reading it uh, with you as we go. Uh, so, so let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 37 
verses 1 through 14. A man named Martin Nehemiah. You've probably never heard of him. Some of you may have, but he was a Protestant pastor during the days of the Nazi rule over Germany during World War II. He spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in concentration camps, and he was a very outspoken pastor of this day, but he never did speak out uh, about what was going on in his country. When he went back several years after the war to the concentration camp that he spent the most time in, these are his words. And this is a pretty famous poem that he, he says, uh, and many of you may have heard it before, but it says this, They came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. They came for the trade unionist, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. They came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. Here's a man who, who stepped out, and he saw his country in ruins. He saw his country completely destroyed of what it once was, much different than what he remembered. In the first 24 chapters of the book of Ezekiel, this is what we get. We see a nation in ruins. We see not only are they down, but Ezekiel continues to speak doom and destruction upon the people of Israel. And he continues to do that as long as the nation is upright. And as long as the nation continues to succeed, he continues to speak doom and destruction upon the people of God. But now, the people of God are in ruins. They have faced destruction. They have fallen. And so when we get to this, this verse in chapter 37, verses 1 and 2, the vision that we get is very different than just a vision of destruction and doom. In this vision, God takes Ezekiel. I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. That's where we're going to start. Verses 1 and 2 of Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And He led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. In the middle of this vision, notice at the end He says, they are very dry. So what does it mean when the bones are dry? Hop on over to verse 11, and we'll see what, what that means. The fact that these bones are dry. Verse 11, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Notice these next couple of words. And our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. I don't know about you, but I can relate to what Ezekiel is seeing here. A nation without hope. 
I've been in moments in my life where I felt like there wasn't a lot of hope. And I bet you have too. Moments where it seems hopeless. Where it seems like we can't go on any further. We've had these moments. And I'm sure you've been there. And in these moments, that is when you are in the valley of dry bones. In the valley where the bones are dried up and it seems as though all hope is lost. I'll never forget April the 27th, 2011. Just a couple of weeks after my birthday. A joyous time of year for all humanity. Uh, But a couple of weeks later... April the 27th, 2011. On this day, many predicted that there would be terrible weather all across the state of Alabama, uh, in particular around the area where my family is from. Well, you can ask my mom. I, am, I have always been terrified of storms, okay? When, when, when the sprinkles start coming, the tears start flowing for me when I was a kid. I'm telling you. I was terrified of storms. And if, if I saw one cloud in the sky that wasn't white, then I wanted to know if there was a tornado, if it was coming towards our house, where it was at, if my family was okay. It was a problem growing up. But for some reason, at this point in time, I guess because I had grown up a little bit, in, in 2011, I was in Henderson, Tennessee, and I thought back to the times growing up all those times where I'd been told there would be a tornado in our, in our town and we would go get in the basement. You know those times, but nothing ever happens. And so I didn't worry much about this tornado. It just kind of slipped through my mind. And I'm in Henderson, Tennessee. I'm not real close to it. But this tornado swept through the town where I went to high school and destroyed the entire town. You may remember this, this tornado, um, the one that destroyed Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And, and this is in Pleasant Grove, Alabama. And, and this is just a guess, but I would, I would say that probably 70% of the people I went to high school with lost their house in this tornado. Uh, Tuscaloosa got a lot of the publicity, but I would say that as much or more of the damage that was done in this town was equal to. This picture you're seeing here uh, is a picture of my friend Chad's house. Chad was my best friend in high school, and he and I spent a lot of time at both of our houses, and this is his house. Uh, I remember lots of amazing nights of fellowship and fun that I spent at Chad's house, and his dad tells the story. You can see his truck there, His dad was outside when he noticed this tornado coming towards him, so he tried to pull his garage door shut when the winds pulled the garage door out of his hands and off into the distance. So not knowing what to do, Chad's dad, it's a nice little rhyme, Chad's dad ran and got under that truck right there. And to his uh, surprise, that truck is what shielded him as his house fell in over the top of him. And he describes to me the hopelessness he felt and the shock that he felt as he crawled out from under his truck to see not just his own home, but the entire neighborhood around him 
in complete ruins. Hopelessness. Now this next photo. This is a picture of some friends from church. Their home. In fact, this is one of our elders' homes. Uh, they, they survived this tornado after the four of them, plus the grandmother, so five of them, got into a small closet in the basement, and they talked about how they could feel the wind pulling the door out of their hands. And they felt as though their lives were in their own hands just to keep that door closed. And the fear and the hopelessness they had as they came out of their home, and this next photo, uh, is their neighborhood. Their neighborhood that was once completely lined with houses, beautiful homes, it was a beautiful little neighborhood, hopelessness. But I know that each and every one of us has dealt with a situation like this before of hopelessness. Not just physically, when it seems as though our entire city is in ruins, but when your life feels like it's in ruins. Maybe you are faced with a financial crisis, and you have no idea how you're going to make ends meet tomorrow, not just next week, but the next day. You're faced with health issues. And you are unsure where the options are and how you're going to get through it. You've lost a loved one and you don't know how to even carry on with your life. Some of you have been there. You get stuck in addiction and it seems like there's no way out. Or maybe relationships in your family are just broken. And you see no No path for these relationships to improve. Because things are just so bad. People can't even talk to each other. These types of situations in our lives are when we are in the valley of dry bones. When all hope is just lost and Ezekiel is in a place that's very familiar to you. Very familiar to me. A place of hopelessness, a place of frustration, of anger, of sadness, confusion. And in that place, in the valley of dry bones, it seems like all hope is lost. It seems like things cannot get any worse and that we're going to be stuck there the rest of our lives. You may be in that valley right now, but thankfully the story doesn't end there. Luckily, Ezekiel's vision just continues and things begin to look up for the nation of Israel. Look at verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel, do you think that your hope can be renewed? Ezekiel, do do you see any way of things getting any better? Now, It would be easy for Ezekiel to say right here, no, God, look around. Look at all these bones. They're just piled up everywhere. This can't get any better. 
We're stuck here. It's easy for us to say in our valleys that there is no hope, that we have no way out. It's easy, so many times I've heard when talking to people who are in their valley, for them to say, I can't turn back to God. He doesn't want me. God doesn't want me. I'm too far gone, and I have no way out. If you've been in a position like that, that is the valley of dry bones. And I've heard that so many times, and it's easy to say that. When asked, can you, your life be renewed? Can you be restored? To say, no. But that's not what Ezekiel says. Look, following in that verse. It says, and I answered, O Lord God, you know. To him, to Ezekiel, this looked like an impossible situation as he stands in the midst of mounds of bones. But he responds in a way that lets God know that Ezekiel has faith that God can do the impossible. We're reminded of this same thing in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, when Jesus says, with man it is impossible. You know the rest, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. It's the same thing with our faith. When you are in a situation that seems impossible, all things are possible with God. And when situations seem impossible, God will respond to your faith. God will respond to the way that you respond to your faith. And listen to how God reacts to Ezekiel's statement of faith. Look at verses 4 through 6. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel begins to do exactly what God is telling him to do. He prophesies for these bones to come back to life. And notice verse 7, what happens. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. Just imagine seeing this vision of all these bones being placed back together, exactly how God formed them in the beginning. Then verse 8, And I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Not only does God bring these bones back together in this vision, but God puts muscles around these bones. God puts skin around these muscles. God has the power to carefully craft you back into exactly what He wants you to be. Here is a nation that simply wants to be put back together. But God doesn't just put them back together. God breathes life 
into these people because God is willing to go above and beyond for His people. Look at verses 9 and 10. Then He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me, Notice how powerful this is. And the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. God breathes life into the dead. God brings life into those who are hopeless. Even if you are completely without hope, completely without hope right now, or if you're completely without hope in the future, God can breathe life into your hopelessness. And it's easy to look at this story and feel like, yes, this is an Old Testament story. This is not just an Old Testament story. This is your story. This is the story of your life. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life. And have it abundantly. Or over in John chapter 14 verse 6. When Jesus says. I am the way. The truth. And the what? The life. No one comes to the Father. Except through me. We are dead without Jesus. We are lost. Without Jesus. We are hopeless. Without him. Jesus left a place of comfort in heaven to come here so that we can be accepted into His kingdom one day. So that we can receive life. I want to go over to Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 for just a minute. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses, that's me. That's me. You who were dead in your trespasses, verse 13, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Verse 14, just beautiful. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Just as the nation of Israel was dead in Ezekiel chapter 37, we have been dead in our sins. Just the same. Our lives have been left in ruins. Where we sit and are unsure Where to turn? And if you look back over Ezekiel 37, not only do we see this, but we see another mission that that has been given. Look to verse 14. Verse 14 of Ezekiel chapter 37. Here we go. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Notice that again. 
and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. God has put you in a very specific place for a very specific reason. He has put you in your job to breathe life into your coworkers. He has put you in this community or in whatever community you're from to breathe life into the people of your community. He has put you in your family to breathe life into your family. He has put you in your school to breathe life into the people who have no hope. To the people who are struggling, God breathes life. And you are His instrument to do that. As a Christian who has life, God wants you to speak life into the situations that you are in in your daily life. God wants you to speak life into the situations that you're faced with every single day. Now the question is, are you going to accept that mission? We can come to worship every single week, but if you don't leave here on a mission, if you don't leave this building on a mission to speak life into people, to live a life that is purposeful, then there's no hope. There's no hope. Today, you are in the midst of the valley of dry bones. You're in the midst of the valley of dry bones. And for you, that could mean a lot of different things. For one, it could mean that you are completely lost in your sins and your relationship with God is the valley of dry bones. It's broken. It's all in pieces. There's piles everywhere because it's so broken. And it's time for you to be baptized into Christ, to accept the breath of life that God wants to be breathing into you, that God wants to breathe into your daily walk with Him. Or maybe you were once out of the valley, but you've gone back to the valley of dry bones. And in the valley of dry bones right now, your relationship with God is now in ruins. And you need to turn back to Him. Like I said, don't leave here today without getting out of the valley of dry bones. If you have a need this morning, please come as we stand and sing.